Welcome to the inaugural episode of Bible Over Brews. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Aaron Krujus-Vavarka, and with me I have... Gumby. And Steve. We're coming here at you to talk deeply, think deeply, and have a tall drink. That's right. (laughs) So, what we're going to be going over today is just simply who we are, why we are doing this, and... uh, all those things. Yeah, right on. And explain how we're going against the grain and <laughs> all the voices that might be saying, you guys shouldn't be doing that. That's weird. But uh, <laughs> we're doing it anyway. That's right. We are doing it anyways. And you know what? When you, as you listen more and more to us, you'll realize that how deep we can go. <laughs> right on. And in each episode, we're going to start it off with cracking a brew open. We are, will be drinking local and supporting local, so there will be Cleveland brews. We'll be describing each one, tasting each one, going over the subject of that day, taking a break halfway through, trying a second, and then continuing for the next half of the show. <laughs> so today we're going to be trying out Platform Brewery. We're doing the new Clevelander. It's the Palesner. All right, let's crack it. Here we go. All right. Platform's doing some awesome things these days. <laughs> I like Platform. I'm uh, During my daytime job, I work in telecommunications, and uh, I've had the pleasure of working at their brewery, uh, not sampling anything, unfortunately, but getting their communications up and running. <laughs> and, uh, and it's actually pretty cool. They stay very active. They're, uh, they're not only are they local, they're actively involved in their community. So, and if you get a chance while you're in Cleveland, if you stop over at the uh, at Town Hall over on West 25th, they make a specific brew just for them. It's a great place. Great food, great beer. So first thing I noticed right off the bat is this beer has a very nice head. Nice and foamy. Yes, it does. Crisp. Yeah. It's a very nice... It's golden. <laughs> yeah. Nice crisp golden. Oh, that's good. It's got rich tones. Very nice. Five percent. Smooth flavor. It it definitely has a little of the Pilsner, but you could taste a little of the ale with it too. Yeah. So it's kind of a cross. A hybrid, I guess is the best way to say it. <laughs> now these these nice light palesners, I mean, when you have this in your hand, it makes you wonder why somebody would step back to like a Budweiser or a Bud Light. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Really? Like, right? <laughs> exactly. Why? <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. We won't, we won't diss any products this early on. <laughs> Sorry, Budweiser. No, this is, but, this is a know. great refreshing beer, actually. It's a great summertime beer. This is a great one to have on your porch or just, mm-hmm. just after mowing the lawn. This would go great with barbecue. Oh, it does. <laughs> it Not does. too many things don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But being the barbecue king myself, you know, this would go really well with... That's right, you are, man. <laughs> so, let's break out into who we are and our backgrounds and why we're doing this. Um, Steve, let's start off with you. Let's give us... Let's give us the background of who Steve is. 
Who's Steve is? Okay, I am, um, I'm 59. And uh, I've been a Christian for a very long time. I actually got saved when I was a young teenager at, uh, not that that really makes a big difference, back in 1974. Just kind of did my own thing. And then uh, kind of stepped away from Christianity for about 10 years. And then uh, recommitted myself uh, back in 1980, around 1987-86. Uh, you know, I was playing the game, things like that, but just doing well. And then about six or seven years ago, uh, my Christianity got really tested in a real deep and in uh, a really hard way too. And that's when I knew that my faith was really serious because it was all I had because I lost everything else. You know, I still have my wife and everything like that. I am married. I'll be married 37 years this year. Awesome. So, uh, which is really cool. That's quite unusual these times. And uh, yeah. and kind of neat, uh, talking to my friend Aaron here just kind of got me motivated. Aaron kind of challenged me in many ways in, 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 in what I believed and why I believe what I believe. And he turned me on to some really cool scholars who I'm pretty impressed with. And a couple of them, you know, I agree with some, some things and I don't agree with everybody, but... But the main thing is what I'm all about is just uh, putting the scriptures to your feet. So I'm really about uh, how does it apply to me in my everyday life and just the awesomeness of God and how he's moved in our lives and uh, how he's taken us to this point and it's a story that never could be written. I should point out that uh, Steve, Gumby, and I were part of a, a study group. We call ourselves the Berean Society. Because we, we dig deep. If you go back to Acts 17 11, that's who the Brians were. They, they dug deep and they were considered honorable for what they were. And, uh, and, and Steve brings a lot of good topics in. And he, he challenges us many times. You know, Steve and, and Gumby as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although you, you gave away a secret, other. though. <laughs> we definitely challenge each other. Yeah, yeah we do. And uh, our number one rule, I'll, I'll mention, in the Brain Society is that we all agree to disagree. Yeah. Because that's how we grow. Yes. <laughs> and if you're going to state a fact, make sure you have something to back it up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Even bring, if it's good beer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> also bring up that, uh, that Steve here is an all-American hero, are you not? I am an all-American hero. Right. I am. Right? Your past. <clears throat> you were in the Marines? Oh, I, was in the Mar oh uh, yeah. I don't know if that makes me a hero, but yeah, I served uh, nine years in the Marine Corps. So it was it was. Well, thank great. you for your wished service, I, Steve. Wished I stayed 30. <laughs> Gumby, who are you? Hey, my name is Gumby. My real name is Gamaliel. I am 37 years old, married, five kids, I'm a musician, jazz musician, play the drums, piano, sing. And he's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. This theme song is his. <laughs> yeah, it's groundbreaking. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to doing a uh, Bible over brews for a few different reasons, really. I grew up evangelical and I have many good friends and family members who, who are still evangelical and I have n nothing against them or, or 
there are a lot of great, great people. However, I found that in my own walk with God, a lot of the theology just doesn't sit well with me anymore when I when I think about that. And and so I would say maybe about three or four years ago, I started asking a lot of questions and a lot of things that were considered taboo within the evangelical world and the Pentecostal world. And a lot of things just didn't sit well with me and I had to start asking questions. And that's one thing about when you find a voice, your voice, if you can't use it, man, it feels like death. And so I just, uh, I had to wrestle with that and I still wrestle with it. And I just, I remember a friend telling me, you know, God, God is big enough to handle your questions and you, you should do it. So, that's kind of our idea behind the Berean Society and, and Bible over brews. We're, we're going to talk about a lot of things and be prepared to be put things on the table. Yeah. And, you know, the three of us, we do not always agree on things. And, <laughs> no, we don't. You know, and uh, we agree on a lot of things. And, you know, we definitely agree on Jesus, definitely. essential to our faith. And so, yeah, that's me. That's kind of my backdrop and where I'm coming from. And I really like beer. And good tasting beer. I do not like cheap beer. <laughs> Mass and, production. Yeah. You know, and again, I'm not going to name any names for cheap beer. <laughs> but man, if you are That's in Cleveland job. these days, Cleveland is happening. They've yeah. got some just uh, awesome craft makers here. And um, yeah. And one of the things we're going to pair it with the Bible. One of the things I really appreciate about you, Gumby, is uh, the fact that you do question things. I'll say this. Thanks. Gumby, yeah. Gumby has challenged me and helped me to change some perspectives. Um, and that started back when we first started um, inside of our studies. Yeah. And, and Likewise. It goes both ways. <laughs> right. And there's questions he laid on me, and I, I honestly said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to uh, I'm not gonna take the, the escape of, well, this is what my faith says. I said, mm. you know, I'm, I'm going to honestly take a step back and you know what? If God's real, He can He can take it. Sure. And, and it, it challenged me. And over the last couple of years, because of things like that, I I drastically have changed my perspective. Drastically, like like 180 on, on many things. Yeah. And uh, hence the Brian Society and that's, Bible of Bruce. That, that's an awesome <laughs> I think thing. one of the really cool things about the, especially the three of us, and and we have we kind of associate ourselves with people like this as well, like us, in a sense that we we don't take our salvation for granted. We work it out with fear and trembling. And so it, it's 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 very important that, that it's just not enough just to uh, do the quick and easy thing that most churches and, and a lot of that's involved in Western theology and Christianity and where you just do certain things and therefore poof it's all over but no it's it's we take our salvation very very seriously and we work it out yeah we do and it's an it's a day by day minute by minute second by second fight yeah that's good steve i i think you know aaron going back to what you said about being challenged it, it i feel the same way i i didn't realize how narrow-minded actually my view of Christianity actually was. I didn't realize that I only looked through 
this you know this Western evangelical lens, and largely ignored the fact that it you know, Christianity came from the East. Yeah. Hello, right, Middle East, <laughs> and ig- ignoring a lot of the historical church and the church fathers and all of these things that are so central and you know, again historical. It's just you know the big word for me there. Um, yeah, and I, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, because yeah. it's coming from that side because you know I think all of us have a predominantly evangelical background. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from that side of it, it's like. You know, Christianity started the Reformation, right? <laughs> there was there was the there was the apostles, then there was the Dark Ages and the Reformation, and not much else is talked about between that. <laughs> well, there was twelve hundred years before that. What are you talking about? At least <laughs> before the Reformation, I think if we take the things that we grew up and learned as as that, as as young men that we were before. We've kind of been taught to put God in a little itty bitty little box. And that was all the capabilities that he was at. God box. Uh, the God box. And and if you were outside that box for you you just were wrong. And and to realize that when we just take the awesomeness of God and who he is and his character and we put him into a little box, we're limiting him and limiting his capabilities in our life. And I think that once we come to a point where we become so broken and so yielded to to him and his spirit, which is really, really important, that we all of a sudden we realize the vastness of who he is. And, and, and when you start really studying like the Old Testament, because a lot of times when as evangelicals, we just concentrate on the, the Gospels and the New Testament. And we realize that there's a whole bunch of history that happened prior to all that. A couple thousand years. You know, you know, at least a couple thousand years. And then when you start digging into the Old Testament, I realize, because we're always told that God's the same today as yesterday and the day before and everything else, but yet he's the same God in the Old Testament as he is the New Testament. So we have to see his glimpses of his, his, his hand through the Old Testament, which is really cool. It's, and, and go back to the, the God box. That's um, one thing I, I, earlier in my journey, I realized is that churches often have the same rhetoric, the same verses that everybody learns and everybody memorizes, and that there is like this 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 gamut, this this whole bunch of verses that are always neglected, and it's it's those verses that are far more interesting, and that was one of my questions earlier on. Well, how how come how can we neglect these verses? Why are these special and these ones aren't? You know, and it's, I mean, even back to my childhood, man, when I was, when I was young, my, my parents gave me a, a Bible. It was an amplified Bible. And, uh, and I loved it because, like, as you read through it, in the little brackets, it would tell you all the little meanings that these words could mean and stuff <laughs> like that. And for me, in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. But the, the trouble I had is that I would get to certain passages, like in Samuel, for example, where it would say, is not the rest of this story in the book of Jashar. I stopped there and I, whoa, whoa, hold on. 
where's the rest of the story, you know? And I start flipping back and forth, and where's this book of Jashar? I can't find it, you know? And, and I, I get over, and I ask my parents, well, where's the book of Jashar, you know? And like, oh, that's, that's not inspired, so we're not supposed to read that. Yeah, we don't talk about and that. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It, it's telling me to read this, and you're telling me I can't read it? No, 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 you can't read that. Why? <laughs> you know, and so there, I, I kept running into these walls. Yeah. Of, of, of why? How come? Somebody needs deliverance. <laughs> yes. Well, the the neat thing about it is you get into these these books that are actually mentioned in in the scriptures, like the Book of Enoch, and there's like a few others. As you read those, yes, true, they may not be inspired as the Holy Bible. But they give you a historic, and they put things into context, yeah. which is really important. They don't necessarily inspire the word, but I think what they do is they they give um, amplification amplification for the scriptures. Thank you for the word. So, <laughs> and but the the other neat thing with that too, and so I just want to make this real clear that we're not saying that scripture memorization is not important. Not at all. Because it is very important that you do memorize scripture, but just understand its context and and understand the supporting scriptures that go with it. Well, I agree. Because there's like there's all these things, especially among, once again, our evangelical background. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm not going to diss the evangelicals because they've helped hundreds, millions of people over the years. So I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't diss that. But in the same token, there are many passages that are taken out of context. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard one of my old pastors say, Touch ye not the Lord's anointed. Whoa, okay, if you understand the context of that passage, <laughs> you just pulled that way out of context. You especially way can't touch thee not after their sermon. Like, you know, <laughs> something you want to say about it. That's that's when that bad boy gets used right there. Right. <laughs> So I mean, I mean, there's especially in the West, we have a tendency to grab these verses and say, "Well, hey, that sounds pretty good," and, and we forget the passage it comes from, the context it comes from, the actual story it comes from, the book it comes from, what's going on in that book while that passage is sure. happening, yeah. and, and all of that gets lost because yeah. you know that will sound good inside my sermon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. The the wealth of the wicked is start for the right, right? So it's exactly. <laughs> well, there's only like so that. many ways you can keep rewrapping the same package. Yeah, you know, and after you know, for me, after a while, it's like, man, you, you keep giving me the same gift every year. I keep getting the same gift. It's just a different wrapping. Is and that, after a while, you just time? get you get tired of it. But w once you realize, you know, uh, again. You start doing this other research and into the historical church and all of that, and then, and and you're okay with accepting, wow, this actually wasn't written to us, right? And you start you start accepting that, and saying, all right, well, what do these people think? You know, how were they thinking? You know, in that type of context, um, you know, that's like a new, it's like a new gift. It's not Absolutely. just a different wrapping, right? So. 
It's it's almost like. How'd you feel about that analogy? That's awesome. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I knew you had it in you, bud. It was it was, it was unwrapped nicely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the Pilsner talking. <laughs> Pilsner. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah. I, I I totally agree with that because there's context opens up worlds. Um, you know, and we're going to be touching on a lot of this in future episodes. I, like the canon, for example, like you said, necessarily not inspired of. Well, we actually have a future episode coming up where we're going to be talking about what is the biblical canon because there's a long story behind that. Um, and, and along with that is is diving into context. Mm. Because, I mean, you have full passages, like we were saying earlier, that are taken completely out of context and applied to us now. And uh, like certain prophecies, you know, <laughs> we'll yeah. we'll be doing uh, we doing some of that here in the near future here too. <laughs> tonight's, tonight's too young for that era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I I do like prophecy, but I like prophecy in the context of where it was spoken and whom it was spoken for. Yeah, and there is a lot so, that is taken so far out of context. It 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 hurts my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we, is absolutely true. At least I, we get some good movies out of it. So, oh, well, we yes. do. <laughs> I'm waiting for the next one. I'm sure it's going to be by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> you know, I think one of the things it, when I think back to my walk, and one of the things that really set me on a different course of my thinking was my family. Actually, my son, who was probably six years old at the time, six or seven, and we're having dinner. Right, and he had heard somewhere in his Sunday school class the rapture and being taken away and, and all of this. And, you know, what did this mean, Daddy? You know, I remember being asked that. And, of course, as soon as, I, as, soon as he asked me that, I just I, I started to regurgitate everything that I'd learned growing up in my Pentecostal background. I mean, we're going to be caught up. We're going to be taken into the sky. You know, dead people are going to be rising out of the graves. We're going to be fighting this battle in the air and all of this. And, and my kids are looking at me like, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. Is this Star Wars? <laughs> and, you know, it, at that point, I mean, it, it was like a switch went off. And I had to ask myself, you know, do I really believe that? What is it that I believe? Because these kids are going to follow me. And I need to be certain. And I at least have to be on that journey, even if I don't have all the answers. I, I have to be on that journey to find out what this means. Yeah. All these different things. And, and not just say things because they were bequeathed to me uh, by whatever authority figure is in my life at the time. So, yeah, yeah. so that's... Kids got a, a pretty darn good way of doing that. <laughs> yes, they yes, do. Yes, they do. <laughs> Out of the mouths of the babes. Kids uh, speak a lot of truth. Yeah, well, it's my turn. So, like, in my background, so, okay, so when I was a kid, I was in the Catholic Church. Um, only for my first several years. I mean, I think I was out of the church by, by eight. And uh, that's when we were swung over into the Assemblies of God. And, uh, you know, a couple of them. Cause we, my parents believed in moving. So, <laughs> I'm not sure why. My parents were in the military, but they, they did like to move. 
I, uh, I, I've lost track of the years, how many times we moved. But uh, we spent uh, some good time in the country. So I did spend, um, I think, five years at one location in Giaga and another one at probably close to that over in Ashtabula. But my early years, I, I was homeschooled because uh, I have, uh, I have uh, some fun learning curves. I grew up uh, dyslexic. Uh, ADHD be before they actually called it ADHD and uh, right-brained which is one that's not usually talked about but you know right-brained is is a difficult thing to be um, the, the, the hard thing about being right-brained is that you see everything in pictures and, and so when somebody like throws like mathematics at you or spells something it's hard because you have to stop and you have to visualize the numbers or you have to visualize um, the word before you can sound it out. It's it's it's, mm. it's right brain is hard to be, and especially when it's coupled with dyslexia and <laughs> yeah. you know ADHD. Um, so getting through all of that, I uh, you know so I was I was homeschooled. I was actually my parents were actually told that the school didn't have, didn't have a place for me. <laughs> mm. Ironic, but um, but later. Growing up, so it was pretty much just my mother and my siblings. We weren't allowed to go off of property or anything else, and and uh, that that led to some bad things later. You know, like my my mother ended up going down the road where she met somebody and she was seduced by the dark side, and <laughs> and, uh, and they end up brainwashing us children to believe that we were like possessed by demons. And, um, all kinds of cool stuff like that. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we, we, and then, and we were, we were taught to believe that, um, our father had secretly brought us to satanic meetings. And so we were taught to, to believe that he was this Satanist. And, uh, so that kind of messes with your head, just, you know, a little, a little bit. And when I got out of that, um, you know, I, I was living with my grandfather. I'm not going to go over the whole thing because it takes forever. He was an awesome guy. My, my grandfather is just, he, he was this 20-year Navy man and, and yeah, always had a drink in his hand. I never saw him drunk, but he always had a drink in his hand. And uh, and he got like a sailor because he was one. <laughs> <laughs> like him already. Did he talk like a sailor too? <laughs> but he was like like he was a gentleman. Um, now I mean, worked hard all his life. He had twenty years in the navy. After he came out, even though he had you know the navy pension, he still was working full time. Um, took care of all of his kids. Uh, took me in later after all this happened, uh, looked out for me, got me my first jobs. Um, just this, this, you know, this, this good man. This is really good man. You never disrespected God in front of him. He was, you know, you know yeah. so he was just this, this good guy, you know. And it, it's, it's ironic because when I think about it, I go back to, like, people I see growing up in, you know, a lot of the churches I was at, and and they would often talk ill of people like my grandfather, not him directly, but people like him. And uh, the, but these were the same people that certainly 
did not show the depiction of Christ in their life. Like they talked it, but they certainly didn't walk it, you mm. know. And and that that, that also left a, a slight impression on me as well, because these people talk church all week long. Yeah. And here you have my grandfather, who's a regular guy, but I'm going to tell you what, you never left the house unless you were fully taken care of. If you ever called him, he made sure that everything was taken care of. If you needed anything, he was there for you. So even though a lot of these other people were talking church, he walked church. You know, so, so you can say what you want about certain people, but just because they look a little rustic or they sound a little rustic, that person might be the best Christian you've ever known. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And he kept you grounded. He did. He did. He brought yeah. me back around to reality. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was, my head was not in the right place after all that stuff, you know, growing up. Right. And, uh, yeah, just to say the least. I mean, I was on the border of suicide at one point, you know, mm. and it's depressed and it was just, just bad, just just bad. But uh, but he was there for me the whole time. Wow. And uh, I'll never forget that. <laughs> You're an encouragement in our lives, Aaron. <laughs> so Aaron, I, I have a question to ask you because I know that you are a uh, a fighter. <laughs> yes. And um, uh, you you enjoy a fight, <laughs> and which is. Good. I mean, you're not a, a a rebel rouser. I want to say that though, just very clearly. But you are a, um, uh, you have a. Yeah, he doesn't back down. He doesn't. No, he doesn't back down. No, he doesn't. I've tried. And uh, and that's okay. But uh, but the neat thing about it is, where did that come into your play in your life? So like, I was always into martial arts. Like my, my dad and I, when we were younger. We would watch the uh, show Kung Fu with David, okay. David yeah, Carradine. Yeah. Oh man, that inspired me, right? And uh, and so I would actually, I actually taught myself. Good man, grasshopper. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I actually taught myself the whole Kempo Karate system, the, the kata, everything, out of books and videos. I taught myself the whole thing because my mother would not let me take martial arts, but she would let me take whatever I wanted out of the library. So I taught myself the entire system just out of books and videos. I did pretty good, too, actually, but a couple of people I sparred and stuff. I, I did really good, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, when I got to my very first martial arts instructor, he was a Jeet Kune Do instructor, uh, he said, you just got here, and you're my best kicker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> but that um, the martial arts, in, in many ways, it saved me because... My faith was used against me, you know. You know, like I said, I was taught to believe I was possessed by demons. Uh, my father was a Satanist, and and actually, they they enforced the belief that martial arts was bad. But I I tucked that deep down inside of me, and I held on to it, and and I, I kind of separated my mind a little bit. It's kind of, it's a hard thing to explain, but you you separate a small piece of yourself so you don't lose it and you tuck it deep down inside, you kind of separate your mind a little bit. And, and so then later, I'll never, I'll never forget the moment, I was, I was walking upstairs, I was looking at a door, and I blinked. And when I opened my eyes, my fist was in the door. <laughs> and that's, that's when I realized my mind was back, and I was, I was who I was. And that same night is when I left the house. 
Wow. So, so in many ways, the martial arts further down the road also saved me. You know? I was going to say, so you feel like martial arts, in a sense, gave you a sense of discipline where our quote-unquote religion yeah. failed to give us in Absolutely. a practical way. I, I feel that way about mm -hmm. music. Yeah. I mean, had it not been for music and, and me having the ability to at least focus and have that for certain parts of my life, um, I mean, who knows what could have happened. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a gift from God. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was moments... Like when I was living with my grandfather, when I, when I first moved in with him, he said, I want you to just relax and, and, and relearn who you are. Mm. And he said, I don't want you to work. I just want you to wow, relax. Wow, freedom. Oh, it was fantastic. Because yeah. I, I had never known freedom. <laughs> I had never known it. You know, I was always, I was never allowed to leave the property. You know, I was, you know, occasionally, but not very often whatsoever. And so... And so I had never really known freedom. And so I, I spent my, my mornings in the library, and I would walk to the rec center. I'd train at the rec center. That's all I'd do every day. Study, train, study, train. And I was going to church. My grandfather encouraged it. So he would drop me off at the church every Sunday, and then come pick me up. And I, I don't want to say I was... I don't want to say that I was completely rebellious against it, but a large part of me didn't want anything to do with it because yeah. my faith had been used against me. Right. And so, and so I, I explored uh, other religions. Uh, I got really deep into Eastern philosophy, and that's where I, really where I found my home was Eastern philosophy, mm. because I didn't want to show you know devotion to another god when I was trying not to show devotion to one already. <laughs> so, so what's the next best thing? Eastern philosophy. And so I dug really deep into uh, Buddhism and Taoism, especially Taoism. Buddhism was, was good, but Taoism really you know, encapsulated a lot of what I believed and a lot of what I saw because you know, coming from so many years in the country, I, I was very close to nature. And that's Taoism. And uh, ironically, it's also what started me back on my path. Because I was reading all these books on Taoism, and then I came across this one where it was quoting various people who had written about Taoism. And I get to this one page, and it's C.S. Lewis. And I was like, what? Get out of here. And sure enough, I read the whole page, and, and C.S. Lewis had written about Taoism. I like, wow, that's... That's mind-blowing. That guy's wrote a couple books, hasn't he? Oh, right, yes. right. <laughs> Perhaps the, one of the greatest Christian thinkers in the last couple hundred years. Greatest thinkers, period. Oh, yeah, man. And, and that led me to other Christians who had written about it. Father Thomas Merton, uh, great, great um, um, Christian uh, uh, monk, uh, reformer, uh, Father Thomas Merton was just a really good guy, mm -hmm. right? Yes. <laughs> At great writings. And, and he also wrote uh, about Taoism. And so that's when I, I started doing more and more research. And I got to those verses we talked about earlier, where it's like, oh, well, hold on, hold on. What are those verses that nobody else wants to talk about? Right. It What's seems like in they're holding verses? back on you something. Right? Yeah. So that's why I decided I have to come back around. And so I started studying. And to this day, I will never forget the moment. 
uh, our church would often go to uh, McDonald's afterwards, after uh, uh, evening services. And so I had been reading extensively about uh, quotations in the Bible from non-canonical books. And one of those I ran across was in Jude. And in Jude, I ran across the book of Enoch, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it quotes it word for word. And so I've been doing background on that. And it showed this rebellion inside. The, and I was like, well, hold on. This doesn't coincide with what I read in Genesis. Was there two rebellions? And so that's where I stopped. And I said, hold on. And so I went back. And we are talking. This is at, you know, at McDonald's. And we're talking. And I said, I have a question for you. And he said, sure, what's that? I said, was there two rebellions in heaven? And he stopped. And he said, hold, hold on, come here, come here, come here. And he pulled me off to the side. And he said, listen, we can't talk about that stuff. And I said, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not preaching it or anything. I said, uh, uh, I'm just curious because I'm reading, you know, this book, you know, that's referenced in the Bible. And the rebellion that's mentioning is not the rebellion in Genesis. And I said, so I'm just curious, were there two rebellions in heaven? And he said, yes. He said, and I can't talk about that because that's not in our canon. Hmm. So I can't mention that, I can't talk about it, can't preach on it. He said, that doesn't stop you from reading it, but I can't talk about it. And that's where he left it. Hmm. And so to this day, I will never forget that. And that really spiked my curiosity. And that's what led me on such a deep search. And that's when I started going into peer-reviewed studies. And I started looking for scholars. And I started looking for, I was like, I need to know more. Because even, I remember when I was, when I was young, I still had those questions. Where are these materials? And so I started getting, and that's when I discovered Dr. Michael Heiser, mm-hmm. you know, among, among others, you know, uh, N.T. Wright is a great one, um, and, and, and uh, John Walton. And so I started uh, getting into, into these different scholars and researching the background of the texts and looking at things in context. And that's, that's when a lot of bells started going off. That's when a lot of lights started going off. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing there really is more. So... That's kind of my background. <laughs> Which is really cool, though, uh, Aaron, is, is that uh, that's that little box that we, we talk about, that things are just put so nicely and neatly in there, and that claims certain things, that they realize that there's a whole vastness that's above all that. And as you kind of look at everything in context which is so important to realize that it's much greater than all that. It's become a bread and butter. And I, and I think that, I think one of the things, especially with Western Christianity, is they make it too easy. Hey, whoa. <laughs> no, I agree. In general, in general, he's not pinpointing any particular. I'm not pinpointing anybody else, but, but the thing is, if it was easy, then you know what? Then all that stuff that happened in the Old Testament shouldn't have happened. And, and to realize that... What do you mean by that? Unpack well, that. Well, well, let me unpack this a little bit. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of things like if you, um, if you do certain things, you can receive benefit and, 
and uh, lots of stuff and, and you know you know if you are of a certain persuasion or whatever and, and it's not always the case and if you you know if I know growing up myself I, I like I said I'm 59 and I've gone through quite a bit and life's never been easy for me yeah and I've done everything you could think of in the evangelical world but to realize that you know life is not easy life has its moments and uh, and uh, so was know, there a rule because of that taboo kind of broken for you that you've heard like you know well, any Christian cliche that well name it and claim it is, is a great one you know okay <laughs> the prosperity so prosperity gospel yeah prosperity gospel you know and there's just a lot of things and and uh, now hold on are you telling seeds me of faith that if you one. don't say that you're going to get something you're not going to get it. Or it's because of the sins of your family, or you know. Oh, well, exactly. I mean, or, or you know, like, uh, like, like, uh, great example. Uh, let's let's take some well-known Christians who have severe handicaps and and things that happen in their life, and, and because they don't have enough faith, they can't get healed. Hmm. Wait. So you're telling me that Paul was not a great Christian then? Because hey, he had a thorn in the flesh. So obviously, he didn't have enough faith. Well, that well, obviously that you know. But I mean, I, I mean, I'm taking a great example of like somebody like Johnny Erickson Tata, a lovely lady in the Lord, you know, whose whose faith is just tremendous, right? Beyond mine, <laughs> you know, and and, and and it's like you know, and, and I know she's been confronted this by people who say, well, you just don't believe enough. Yeah. Like really? And that's one of those things that we will be doing across the podcast in virtually every episode is we'll be comparing Western theology to Eastern theology and then doing comparative analysis with peer-reviewed papers. But, but I mean, it's, it's things that, that, that like, like bad things shouldn't happen to us. Right. But yeah. bad things happen to everybody, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, and good things happen to everybody. I hear you. Let's, take a, but, quick, let's take, a, take a quick break real quick because we're going to introduce our second brew for the night. Oh, man, you heathen. <laughs> <laughs> Two a night. So <laughs> this one is going to also be by platform. Okay, this one is Tang Life, the Berliner Weiss. Oh, wait, how do you say it, Steve? Berliner Weiss. There we go. We got the German guy here. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to try this one out. This is part of the... 12 kettle series gumby all right and i will do a my obligatory taste <laughs> reason why i'm taking away a taste is i am on double secret probation from my doctor so <laughs> and uh i have Shh. and plus we don't want barbara hunting us down so. <laughs> no but a taste is okay it's That's allowed true. you're doing the right thing i'm doing the right thing yes yeah. just give me your beer <laughs> it's more for you guys. You get to enjoy it more. Wow, man! It's got doing a nice such smell. Wonderful things. Man. They really. It's got are. a little citrus in it. Wow, yeah. That's man. It's not too foamy, but man, that's an interesting fragrance. Ooh, it's like a lemon. It's a little cloudy. Ooh, this is good. There's got to be some stuff in here. It's a little cloudy, but you know what? I'm gonna say that cloud is flavor. Hold yes, on. I I think it's like a lemon in it. So it's, it looks, Ooh. you definitely pay, taste the, uh, that's good. The lemon in it. The that's citrus. good. For those who don't like fruit in a beer, 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, it is a tart. It's, it's It has tamarind and guava, and it is a tart. So for anyone who's not familiar with tarts, they... They are, it's the adjunct, right? <laughs> it's, uh, um, they combine the flavors with different, uh, different, um, this tastes brews, healthy. Different. <laughs> it actually does. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was not expecting that. That's, a, yeah. Once again, that's a tart. So it's, yeah, it's, this tastes like some of my, uh, cleanses and things like that. This would be it. great with a rhubarb pie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Mm. I like oh, it. that's good. That's good. Not sure that this would be my go-to, right? But with the right, you know, with the right food, maybe a certain kind of fish. I could something. see. I was gonna say I could see this with a fish. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. definitely a nice yeah. uh, or a good cheese cheese tasting. I could see that. Yeah, I mean they. I mean platforms. It's definitely for the consumer. Very specific things, man. And right. I think that's why they're so successful. I mean, look, we went from a pailsner to a tart in one sitting. Yeah. <laughs> And that's this would, man, this that's would go very really nice with good. a nice uh, broad fish. Yeah. So, diving into where we were, where we were heading. <laughs> um, I have to admit, Aaron. I mean, thanks to you, it's. I would never ever have uh, thought to even look up or follow people like Heiser or N.T. Wright. Okay. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> but, well. You know, I, I, we have to thank Aaron for that, man. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Even Chuck Missler. Thank you. Yeah, who we don't Missler. always agree with, but that's no. okay. No. Uh, but we don't agree with everything with Heiser either. <laughs> or, the only one or we agree with everything right. is N.T. Wright. <laughs> 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 well, you can tell who our favorites are, you know. So. Right. There aren't too many things N.T. Wright says that I, mean, yeah. I just can't not agree with. With Heiser, it's not just, uh, it's not just his content. What he, what he does is he'll back anything he says up with at least, like, three scholars. Yes. So anything he he backs up, he backs up with multiple sources. Yeah. And so... Well, he's usually the backup guy. Right, that's true. I mean, he's got enough yeah. degrees just to say, well, <laughs> the Heiser said so. Right? Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's almost enough. Right. <laughs> what I really appreciate about some of the scholars that we do follow is that they... Um, they tell you not to, like, just go f believe in it because they said it. But they challenge you to go into the scriptures yourself and go into the, to the, uh, to the context and go into the original uh, languages and, 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 and areas that further study you so that you can come up with your own conclusion. I agree. They all don't agree. Oh no! With each yeah. other, and they, and they and they clearly tell you that that if they have a, a viewpoint of something, and they know that it's like maybe not the uh, the popular thing or whatever it is, but they know that uh, they'll they'll tell you that not everybody agrees with this. Right. But this is how I feel about this, and so so that gives you an idea as as the reader or the listener. Or whatever you're doing with them as you're listening to them, they, so you understand it. Uh, uh, that like, okay, uh, this is something that I have to look for myself and come up with my own conclusion. And 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 I know with Heiser, it's like drinking from a it's like drinking <laughs> from a fire hose, because it it it. Uh, but the neat thing I like about him 
is he repeats himself a lot. So you, after you get you inundated a lot, then you realize, okay, he's yeah. referring to this. He's referring to that. So you understand that much more closely. But you're right, Steve. He's very intellectually honest and yes. upfront. You know, and like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I've heard him say several times. To, you know, to the point where we don't always all agree. Right. But this is why the majority thinks this way and some of us think this way. And I have heard him honestly say, it could mean this. Yeah. But I can't tell you I have a stance on it yet because I don't yet. And personally, <laughs> I didn't realize how I was missing just hearing those words from a pulpit. Yeah. Right. Any pulpit, any part of my life growing up. Right. You don't hear that. Hey, you know what? Some of us think this. Some of us don't think. You don't get that option. <laughs> or or <right>? even... <laughs> even uh, like so he does a lot of questions and answers and things like that, and it might be I just don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and 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 it's it's an honest answer. I mean, and I was challenged when I first started running into uh, all these guys, Heiser and T. Right. I remember, I'll, never, I'll never forget like one of the first ones I ran into where it was like they said, well, you know, like Leviathan, he's not a real creature. And I'm like, whoa, back it up, take it back. Leviathan is a real creature, doggone it, and. Man, I gotta tell you, then he 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 backed up everything he said, and I pulled yeah. it up, and he said, you know, they take you through. Well, no, Leviathan is actually cross-referenced. You can find him in Akkadian lore. You can find him inside Canaanite lore. You can find him inside all these. He has seven heads, and Scripture backs it up. And I was like, no, it doesn't. Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. It actually does reference the heads of Leviathan. Oh shoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, it, it, he was not a real creature. He actually was a chaos symbol. If you actually take him in context, in his own, in his own scriptures, and he's only in poetry, he's never referenced in anything that's not poetry. It's like, oh, man, doggone it. He isn't a real creature. <laughs> what about that movie I got, though? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's fascinating once you apply the scriptures in context and you take it from the culture it comes from, you find out that these creatures were actually mythological creatures that were prevalent across the region at that time because Israelites didn't sit by themselves. They had neighbors. I mean, go figure. You know, the Akkadians were their neighbors. Sumerians were down the road. You know, Canaanites were over here. So, I mean, and they shared mythology and they shared context if you and i were at a pulpit right now what would we use maybe superman maybe batman maybe we talk about the teenage mutant ninja turtles and we'd liken the things that we know now well the bible's the same way the bible is a polemic in its own time and so it used its own iconography and its own motifs yeah that they had back then because they could relate to it exactly yeah just mm-hmm. like the Baal cycle. Baal is a reference. He is a god, all right? But the Baal cycle is referenced inside the Old Testament more than once. And the Baal cycle is used just like today we would use, hey, it's Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's Thursday. Those are all named after gods. Yes. <laughs> so, but I think the other neat thing, too, that even from Heiser that I, I, I really understand it, that we, especially as... Uh, we're kind of always taught that, like, there are no other gods. There's only Yahweh, the God Almighty, and that's it. The others don't exist. Well, if you really 
take the scriptures into context, they do exist. There are other gods. In a way. 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 Yes, in a way. yes and, and I understand we it. We do have an episode coming up. We are going to cover that. We're going to cover <laughs> it. I understand it. But but there are other gods. But but we know that our God is the supreme, almighty God who who our loyalty needs to go to. That's and exactly. not to anybody else. Not to anything else. But they do exist. Yeah. And we're going to cover that. Thoroughly in a future episode, we've got, yes. we're getting, we we so I hope we wet your appetite. We'll even have handouts <laughs> for it. <laughs> for those out there, I hope we wet your appetite with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, and one of the big struggles I had going into it was the whole east beast meets west. I mean, that's because okay, so like when I was young, okay, I was, I was Catholic, and, and I still remember. I mean. Because I was baptized into the Catholic Church, I was one, I was the one that would take my grandmother to services, but once I could drive, you know, and I was allowed to because I was baptized in the Catholic Church, and I, and, I, and I retained all of the rituals and everything else, even though I hadn't gone there for years. But um, but when it came to the whole East meets West thing, um, you look at Orthodox Christians. And in Orthodox Christians, I always like, and I was like, oh, you know, those are Catholics. That's what I thought. Oh, that's just a different branch of Catholic, you know. (laughs) Well, it turns out that we, in the Protestant side of things, we have more in common with the Catholic Church than they do. Yes, we do. I mean, the only thing they really share is the similarity in liturgy. That's really about it. Their theology is... 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And uh, going into that and realizing that, and then going into the early church writings, the anti-Nicene fathers, and I was like, wow, church history is deep. This is what I've always been looking for. I've always been looking for this history of the church, this culture in the church, this, this heritage. And it's been missing this whole time. It turns out it was never missing. Yeah. It turns out it's always been here with us. It's just it's never given to us. Yeah. It's never taught. It's never passed down. And how sad is that? How sad is it that that we in the faith are only taught the last couple hundred years, or most of the time, the last hundred years of whatever your denomination says? Yeah. It's sad. Because we have 2,000 years of written history. And each of the denominations is based off one obscure passage in the Bible of the New Testament. Yeah. Exactly. Hence, we <laughs> have a million storefront churches because, and different and numerous denominations in the Protestant church that are just... Over 40,000 in the United States now. Yes. <laughs> and a large part of the, of the, the problem with that is that you don't have to answer to anybody. Right. So I don't like the way that you teach Job, so I'm going to go start my own denomination. (laughs) It really is that easy. So, and once again, we have an episode coming up about that. (laughs) Another teaser for our audience. (laughs) So we won't unpack that one. No, 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 no. We're not gonna. We're not gonna dive off on that one. Yeah. No. We have uh, coming up. We have episodes based on pretty much any topic you think of. Uh, where the canon comes from, denominations, 
the gods of the Bible. Uh, I mean, you name it. It's going to be East meets West. We're going to pull in all kinds of scholarly papers. That's right. Nothing's taboo over brew. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, brace yourselves. It's coming up. If you like what you've heard, please hit subscribe and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Tumblr, Instagram, SoundCloud, and visit us at BibleOverBrews.com.